Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. Back with the man, myth, the legend. Somebody doing something for all of us, which we must thank him for, Millennial Mike. How you doing, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, as always. I still can't believe you volunteered to go through all of my comments to find the ones that we need to go deeper on. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, as somebody who does watch all the comments, I don't have time to give detailed answers. So the fact that you will go through, find the good ones, the heaters, the ones that we should go deeper on uh, means the world to me. So uh, what'd you find this week? Yeah. So we actually have a, we've got a good list of questions this week. Some of them projections, you know, for all the people out there who are always like, Mike, why do you make projections? It's because people in the comments want to know your opinion. So we'll get to those. We've got some projections, some questions about the economy. Um, but I actually thought this was a great way to start. So you always talk about doing the work, developing a buy box. This applies to investors looking to buy their first deal, but the YouTube user Lo Sierra, she asked and she says, I came over to your channel and the buy box concept intrigued me. I tried to do one with an Excel spreadsheet, but I'm not sure how a first time home buyer can use this. So how do you think a first time home buyer not interested in owning rentals can use the concept of a buy box to get a great deal on a home purchase? That is a very good question. Uh, so I do think the buy box idea plays through. Uh, again, I've only ever bought one home to live in, right? We bought a home in 99 and we've never moved, but we had a buy box for us. It was a, uh, we had two school systems that we were willing to live in. Uh, and we had a price point, right? We had a can't go above, right? Cause we were tapped out, right? We were making 40, 45 grand a year or something in, in 99. So th that was, that was it for us. And we wanted three bedrooms. I'm sorry. There was a third, right? We, we wanted a bedroom for Olivia and I, one for our daughter and then an extra one for guests or office or whatnot. So that is a buy box. And so I do think it applies. I think most people probably have a bigger buy box than we did. Cause we were, I mean, let's not, let's speak very, very, very clear. Our number one thing uh, was a school system. We, we were renting in the best school system uh, in our area, Cupertino, California. And we would have, we would have rented the whole time to be in that school system for our daughter uh, unless we were able to buy something, which we struggled for, for, for a couple of years to, to make happen. Um, but I think everybody does. Uh, I think every homeowner has a buy box. I think in, you know, if you look at my spreadsheet, the, 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 all the expenses and all of that yield calculation doesn't matter, but I think you have a search criteria. I think you should look at it. I think in a market that's slowing down, you should see trends. I think, again, I would tell every homeowner, uh, I would not look at first day listings unless you're in a super hot market. For me, days on market, I want motivation. I can tell you as an investor or a homeowner, when you could deal with a seller that's motivated, it's better, right? Get Don't pay list, pay less than list. Get closing cost credit, get rate buy downs. Um, the, the market is slowing down. Uh, in most areas, some Florida still hot, some other areas still hot, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I think, I think it applies. It's obviously not as much a math equation, but the daily mm -hmm. discipline, 
that is built behind the buy box, I think it still plays. At least it did for us. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the reason that you have a buy box is so you can start to figure out and accurately compare and contrast the yield of a property versus the yield of another property. And so you can find the best deal from a yield perspective. Well, if you're not interested in yield and instead you just name your own most important quality, you know, for you, it was a school district. So, okay, well, what, what's the best value I can get and still be in this school district? You know what I mean, mm-hmm. so, yeah, but, but at the end of the day, doing the daily work, looking at the market every day, those principles are going to help you recognize the good deal, the great value in the neighborhood you want when it comes your way. So, well, then uh, so, let's yeah. not, let's not forget the last part of a buy box. It also tells you what to avoid. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many homeowners like, Hey, I want to live in this area. And then they hear somebody say, oh, a new development is springing up over there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not always, I mean, yeah. So a buy box is, is focus and daily discipline, but it also is permission not to get distracted. Mm-hmm. No, agreed. Okay. So let's move on to uh, the topic of a wage growth versus inflation. You've touched on this a few times. JT12 asks, he says, you're literally the only person I know who thinks wages are keeping up. And your response was to say, I didn't say that they were keeping up. 6% wages with 8.5% inflation is not keeping up. Can you elaborate uh, for us your opinion on wage growth? Yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you caught this one. Um, so again, I'm going to be very clear. In a world of 8.5% CPI and wage inflation of 6%, that is not keeping up. In fact, you just do this math. You're, you're, everybody's falling behind. If you're not getting a 10% raise, you're falling behind. My point about wages is to look out years from now. I believe the wage spiral inflation. I believe, um, I believe it's just started. I believe CPI is going to keep coming down headline. Um, and I do believe wages maybe next year, maybe the year after. Wages will be up six, CPI will be four. So you will be getting ahead, but you're not getting ahead today. Uh, I believe housing affordability is a problem. It's near record lows. If you follow affordability, there are three factors that affect it. Most people on YouTube scream price. And believe me, I want them to be right. I would love a 50% crash. I just don't see it. And I can't be intellectually dishonest just to earn a penny with crash videos. Others can. Others will sell their soul for a penny. I won't. Uh, So price is one. Next is rate. I actually think rates are going to go up, at least in the short term, meaning the next year or so, which means affordability gets worse. And then there's number three, wages. I believe over the next decade, wages will be above trend, right? Trend inflation is 1% real, right? Going up. I think it's going to be above that. I think we are going to bring, I want to believe we're going to bring manufacturing home. We have more jobs than people, which means you have to pay them. I think we're going to have a good year. I think unions, unions are picking up, right? Starbucks and Amazon and all these other places and unions will drive wages higher. Uh, so I think wages go up. I think, uh, I think real estate generally speaking is flat uh, for five years and wages increase, which will mean affordability slowly gets better. And then if wages, if prices are flat, wages go up and then rates eventually come down. Magically affordability looks better. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to talk price crash and to believe me, 
I would be such a much, I would be so much bigger of a channel if I could intellectually see that. I just don't and won't, won't sell out for a penny. Right, right. Well, one more question on wage growth. This one's from Jeff M. And he kind of touches on some of the topics you mentioned. He says, hey, I thought of something. You said that housing will probably stay flat for around five years until wages catch up. Oh, uh, over those five years at a rate of 5.5% a year wage growth, or you said maybe 6% wage growth year over year. Um, but he goes, you said that that would make housing affordable, but why would wages continue to go up if we're about to hit a recession? Do you think that's going to possibly counteract any of your theory if we start to see layoffs? So again, that'll be the question. So the question really is where will the layoffs occur? Right. I, again, I think, I think, I believe what we're heading into is a white collar recession, not a blue collar recession. Uh, I believe if you go back and you really peel back the numbers where, where really the jobs are, they're more blue collar service job oriented. And that's where the wage inflation is actually most meaningful and will is accelerating the fastest. So I see a recession that's very much white collar recession, uh, not blue collar. Uh, I don't think I don't think a recession, at least by the one that I see coming, is big enough to really pull back. Right, we're at three and a half percent unemployment. Right. For most of my adult career, economists were trained that six percent was full employment. Think about that. We could right. almost double and be at the historical full employment. So, I do think a recession is coming. I think recessions are natural. I think one is required. I think this should be deeper and longer than most. But that doesn't mean wages have to go down. In fact, I think I think wages go up from here. So I don't. I, there's not a one to one relationship. I think I think it's it'll be a white collar recession, and I I think there's wage inflation in blue collar in trades and uh, for years to come. I think. Mm. Yeah, and on unemployment, it peaked at ten percent during the Great Recession. So we would have to triple where we are at right now to get to where we were back then. Okay, so here's a scenario-based question about how to properly scale. I thought this was a good one, but it's a little bit longer. But um, your, one of your subscribers, Denzel Falcon, he says, <clears throat> I'm currently in a duplex house hacking with my wife. Fantastic. Great start. Um, we're currently saving for our next rental. We have opportunities to either house hack a triplex or purchase a single family and slowly build up and buy a new single family every year for around $100,000 a single family home. The triplex is over $350,000, but the rents will pay the mortgage and we can cash flow the unit we're currently living in. So his question is, we are hesitant to take on so much debt so quickly to the point where we can't be flexible. What do you think is the best way to scale? Buy the triplex now for 350 or single family houses one at a time for 100,000 a year? So I think I replied to that comment. Do you, you have did, my reply? Did. I didn't keep the, the reply was long. So oh, <laughs> sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> That's okay. No, I, I did. Yeah. Every once in a while, I go, oh, I got to answer this one better. Mm -hmm. um, so I think my net answer was I buy the best yield. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. That, that is what it was. I remember. Yeah. Because again, the debt level doesn't bother me. It's, it's, it's return on capital. That that's that's what the game is as an investor. It, you know, if I'm going to put out thirty thousand dollars, am I getting ten percent back? That's 
three thousand bucks. If I if but if I put out fifteen thousand dollars and I only get five hundred dollars back, that's a three percent return. You might feel better buying the house, but your return is way less. So historically speaking, and I don't know this example or their market or any of those things. I don't think the answer is buying a house or a triplex. I think the answer is go buy a fourplex. Every every time I've done the math, a fourplex house hack, you get paid to live there. That's that's the best return. So again, with those two comparisons, without knowing them or their situation or their market or anything, it, the debt level doesn't bother me. It's, what is the best return on capital? I call it yield, cash on cash. That's all I drive. It's... That's, that's my driving factor. But, you know, in closing, I never want an investment to stress you out. <clears throat> so if you are Dave Ramsey-esque and having a $270,000 mortgage will freak you out on a triplex, but you feel better at 80K, well, then it doesn't matter what I say. It, <clears throat> it doesn't matter. I don't want you to not sleep at night because you got this 270 grand, even if it has a better yield. I don't care about the debt level, but if you do, then you do you. Yeah, I think as someone myself who's a lot closer to the beginning of their real estate investment journey than you are, you have built up the muscle to, to not be afraid of taking on too much. But when you're just starting out, as I was in my first duplex house hack, it's intimidating yeah, to, to start to stretch yourself. And well, what if something happened? You know, but you get to a point where you recognize that the rents cover the mortgages. You've done the work up front. You've done the due diligence. The property is going to cash flow. It's just hard to take that next step. So like Mike said, if you're too stressed out and too nervous, then don't do it. Absolutely. But if you, right. but if you want the mathematical on it, dude, the fourplex is going to be the better investment. Go find a fourplex. <laughs> All righty. Next question. Quick one on retirement accounts from E. South. He says, do you recommend investing into a 401k with employer matching 6% or should I use that money to purchase a home? Mm. So again, I can, I don't give financial advice. I can only tell you my experience in this situation. I always wanted the company match. Mm. Uh, my companies did allow me once you've worked there a year to borrow 50% or up to 50K. So I did that. I, I used my 401k probably six times to buy properties. I contributed. They matched. I borrowed 50% tax-free. I paid myself back interest. It was magical. I thought it was free money. Um, so that's what I did. Uh, I, you know, I, would I have done that if I couldn't take a loan out? Probably. Taking a loan out made it a no-brainer for me. Um, but I probably still would have taken the company match. Yeah, I probably yeah, guarantee you know it's a hundred percent gain. Just mm -hmm. but because I could get the gain and borrow, it was a no-brainer. That's what I did. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different things, Roth IRAs, 401ks, you know, some people have deferred comp through a government pension plan like I do. Ultimately, you know, you kind of need to be an expert on your own options out there. It does seem a little foolish to leave 100% gain money on the table. But that being said, with what I've got with my retirement program, I could put a lot of money in and I know that my money will better be served if I save it, keep it and put it into real estate. So that's one of the things that I've chosen to do. Nice. Okay, predictions, predictions. Karthik Heb, where do you think interest rates will be in a two to five year time frame if feds keep raising above three and a half Fed fund rates? So my crystal ball, what do you think? Yeah, my crystal ball is broken everyone else. I do love taking these guesses. 
because I like, frankly, why do I do this all the time? Because I like to beat the experts, right? All these <laughs> talking heads on TVs. Uh, I like to beat them, beat them. So uh, I'll kind of give a couple of answers. So I think, I think we end the year close to six or six one, uh, which is up from where we are. Uh, I think we probably peak somewhere next year in the high sixes. And then I think we naturally end up three to five years in the fives. It's kind of where I'm at. Okay. So I got a follow-up question from me about those ones. Please. So if your if your prediction is we're going to be six and a half, you know, maybe five and a half to six and a half as we move forward. For those individuals who are considering sitting on the sideline, not buying, or maybe they took advice to sit on the sideline mm -hmm. and not buy real estate, how will the the doubling of interest rates from last year to your prediction of what it's going to be over the next five years affect their affordability and monthly payment when it comes to overpaying for real estate? <laughs> well, let's just let's just play it out, right? Let's say if four, let's say rates are five percent. Um, I don't know, three years from now. And prices aren't crashing, right? Maybe they're maybe if you're in Boise or some other markets are going to be down. In in reality, um, it's just going to be more expensive. It just is. Uh, unfortunately, people who were calling for a crash last year don't understand math. It was the best year ever to buy, mathematically saying. Um, the year before that was the second best year to buy. The, these people owe you money for telling you a crash was coming. Um, Time, trying to time the market is rough. Make sure you get 30-year fixed rate debt. Make sure it's locked in. Make sure cash flow is day one. Uh, make sure you can afford the payment. No stretching. Um, don't, don't, you know, back to the earlier question. Don't stress yourself out. And um, yeah, it's, it's housing. It's, it's, we're not going back to 2010. I'm, I'm sorry. It's not going to, not going to happen. Even though I wish it did, it's just not going to happen. I did a little bit of math which is a scary concept as a police officer, but I did a little bit, just a skosh. And a $500,000 house at a three and a half percent interest rate is a $2,400 a month payment. Mm -hmm. A $400,000 house at a six and a half percent interest rate is a $2,500 a month payment. Wow. So even if prices crash 20%, which is what most people define a crash, 500K to 400K crashed 20%. Because interest rates went from three and a half to six and a half, which is an actual factual thing that has happened, unlike yeah. the crash of prices, yeah. the monthly payment went up. So who's really overpaying? Yeah, I agree. Okay, um, couple questions left. This one's just a pretty easy rapid fire from Monica Galdamez. She goes, "How can I grow my circle?" You talk about networking all the time. Yeah, the beauty about real estate folks in the game, um, we all like to talk and share and experience. So the biggest thing I would do is is uh, put yourself out there. If you if you can go to local meetups, go to local meetups, join Facebook groups, uh, join bigger pockets groups in the areas. Be a someone who contributes, and then just ask for referrals. Don't be a taker first. Uh, give what you can, even if you're a novice, you can answer questions at least with your opinion, and then ask for referrals. That's that's the biggest thing that I tell people. I think it's number four, number five of my seven rules is you got to meet two, two new people a week. And the easiest thing to do is ask for referrals. If you're in Gary, Indiana, and you bump, bump into Millennial Mike in a Facebook group, ask him for a referral. Hey, who do you recommend for this or that? People in real estate generally will help others. So just ask, be a good person. Don't just take, give first. Simple. Totally agree. 
All right, uh, another question from Jeff M. And this is a good one, okay? For those of us out there, Mike, who uh, <laughs> were just kids during the last crash, right? I was 17 in 2008. So Jeff M. asks, he goes, Mike, you talk about consumer sentiment. How was the atmosphere in 2006? I was too young. I know realtors were saying, oh, it's a great time to buy. But were there people at that time saying that the market was all overvalued then, like we're currently saying today? Uh, I would say so if we if we put in my 2005 2006 hat it was the it was it was bananas there was money everywhere um I'm trying it it was it's it kind of had a GameStop AMC meme it kind of had a meme stock feel everybody thought it would go up forever there were lending you didn't actually have to have a loan I mean you could almost I remember filling out, uh, not filling out, signing a blank loan application. That's how stupid the lending was. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was unhealthy. It was really bad, and it had to, it had to explode. It just had to. The the movie, The Big Short. People look at that as like that didn't happen. It happened. You know, five, you know, strippers, exotic dancers, gardeners having five, six, seven homes, all on these stupid teaser loans it was, it was bad. It was really bad. And there was only a few voices. Bruce Norris saved us. I wrote about it in my first book. I go to a meetup all excited. We have eight houses, Michael. And, um, we're trying to buy number nine and can't cause again, 30 year fixed cash flow. So I never did one of those exotic loans. And, um, yeah, Bruce Norris saved us. He was, he was one of the few voices screaming caution, caution, caution. He actually created an, uh, a report. I think you can go Google it called the California crash. People should research this um, California crash. He did it. I think he did it in like 2006. And then he did another one in like 2010 called the California comeback. Bruce Norris is the OG. And um, yeah, he, he saved us. He saved us for sure. He was crazy in 06. Yeah, I was going to say the only one I could think of was Peter Schiff because he's been calling for a crash for the last 40 years. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he gets credit. <laughs> Bro broken clocks, broken clocks. Uh, okay, rapid fire. Uh, Mario A. asks, Michael, where can I find your 52-year history chart you keep referencing? I appreciate the help. Yeah, so I had to put it somewhere where everybody can get it, and I'm not a techie. So uh, Teachable is where they host my courses. So I have a free course anybody can get, and it's right there in the bonus section. So don't pay me a dime. You do have to log into Teachable and get it it's my, in my free course. It's in the paid courses too, but go to the free course. It's right there. Right, right. Okay, very last question. This is a good one. This is what would young Mike say? So Holly's buddy <laughs> asks, you're speaking to over 200 people at the event that you went to this last week, mm -hmm. and your favorite course in college was public speaking. Mm -hmm. How would the freshman in college, young Michael Zuber, think if he knew this is where you would end up and this is what you would be doing? So what would younger you think of where you're at right now? Uh, yeah, he wouldn't believe you. I was an introvert. I mean, people may not realize that. I, 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 could, I could be in a room of 200 people and not say a word and be totally okay. I, I was the fly on the wall, not very social, didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, just, you know, the only time I would ever get engaged if there was a ball involved, right? Soccer, basketball, football, baseball. That was kind of my jam. But even that's really a solitary thing, right? You're not really interacting. 
So I was the, I was, I would not have believed you. You were, if you were told me I'd have been up in front of 200 people and, and, and talk, I had no power. <laughs> I had no PowerPoint. I was just talking. I would have not believed you. I would have, I would have bet thousands of dollars that I didn't frankly have at the time that that wouldn't be true. <laughs> Well, those are all the questions that we have for this week. There weren't any any that were too particularly spicy. So to those folks down in the comment section, leave us something controversial or just keep the good questions coming. It's all we got, Mike. So sign us off. I appreciate it, Mike. Uh, again, thank you for doing this. Uh, I look forward to this session. I know the audience does. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, if you just uh, Google or Instagram or YouTube, Millennial Mike. Oh, and thank you, because thanks to you this morning, Business Insider just published an article about me. Little old me. I made it. Oh, uh, we will make that topic number two. Thanks, buddy. Sounds good.